You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help bump us up in the podcast platforms. Additionally, make sure you share it with your friends. In this podcast, we're going to hear a Sunday morning message. Whether you know it, that was teaching. Because too often we get in a hurry. We want to worship the Lord. We want to pray for the Lord. But then we don't want to just stand there and wait for Him to move. We want to go and go to work. We want to do the things that we got to do. That was good teaching right there. That's just still learning to sit down in His presence and allowing His Spirit to touch you and to draw you. Amen. Amen. Brian, will you spin me around? Yeah, that's right. Not me. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Pastor's on vacation again. Another good week, right? We're praying uh, for him to be fully recovered, right? And uh, refreshed. And uh, after two weeks off, I'd say, uh, if men, if you wear a toupee, you better staple it down next Sunday. And women, if you wear a hat, you better draw up the string because it's probably going to get blown off, right? <laughs> Amen. Reminder, clothing giveaway August 21st. We need donations from the church. All right. Clean out your closets, bring your stuff in and give it away so that people can be blessed. Amen. Amen. Well, the message today is on the title is foul play. Foul play, foul ball, foul. These are sports terms that we use. And I'm going to use baseball as an example. In baseball, the goal is to get on base, right? But every batter that ever steps up to the plate, myself included at one time, wanted to just crack that ball over the fence, right? You wanted to hit a grand slam. You wanted to hit a home run. Even if it was a single base home run, you wanted a home run. That's the goal, right? But it doesn't always happen, does it? Listen, the foul poles, the distance between, between a, a foul pole to a foul pole at a major league park, 440 yards to five, no, 440 feet to 500 feet apart. That's a great distance. That's more than a football field apart, to give you a visual, right? In Major League Baseball, a team averages 50 foul balls a game. 50. They average, this is the best, this is statistics this year. The best team averages two home runs a game. Your Pirates don't even average one run a game. Amen? So I'm just trying to, trying to get you here, okay? What I'm trying to tell you by a foul ball, those that don't know baseball, right? We're, we're swinging, we're batting, we got two lines that go down. Well, the, the foul ball, it's going down the line, it's going down the line. Everybody's cheering, they're thinking it's home run, right? And then it just veers right before the foul pole. You can go down the other side, it's going, it's going, everybody's cheering, woo! And it's going, it's going, and it goes foul. I want you to understand in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there find it. I'm trying to tell you something today. Everybody wants to hit a home run, right? Everybody, that's a great distance. I don't know how wide the straight gate is, but I know how wide it is from pole to pole, and not everybody hits a home run. And in a year, there's 8,100 foul balls hit, 324 home runs. Does that clear that up for you? 
Does that make it simple for you? Not everybody's going to go to heaven because we're walking, we're walking, we're teetering the line and something's going to yank us to the left or to the right. We're not going to be where we're supposed to be when glory comes back. Amen. I'm just trying to set the picture for you. We're talking about foul plays. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word today. First Corinthians 10 and 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Pastor Rita, would you bless the reading of the word, please? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And I know that the man that stands in the pulpit has prepared. I know he's ready to speak your word. Help us to be ready to receive the word as the fresh bread comes out of the oven. Help us to be willing to partake and to hear what it is that he is saying. But we don't want to be hearers only. We want to be participants and doers. Father, we don't Thank want you, to God. find that wide gate. We want to find that narrow gate. Father, we want to walk the straight and narrow way so that one day we will hear the words, well done, yes, thou Lord. good and faithful servant. Anoint each word as it falls from Pastor Aaron's lips. And just as the ointment and the oil ran down the beard of Aaron, let it then run down our Aaron, O oh Lord. Yes. Let it the anointing drip all over him. And let everyone in this building, whether they're saved unsaved or whether they're lukewarm or whatever they may be father let them feel your anointing touch them Holy Ghost uh, and father set us free this morning uh, anoint the word uh, and we'll give you the honor and you the glory and we ask it in Jesus name amen amen you may be seated glory to God hallelujah listen I, I want to tell you that there's only one that was perfect Jesus Christ. Whenever he stepped up bat against the adversary of the devil, there was only one that was perfect, and that's Jesus. He faced temptation in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. We see that, that Jesus faced the devil and that he won. He stood on God's word even when Satan tempted him. He stood on the word for whenever he tempted him with food, success, and power. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us 11 and 14, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The Bible says that he's not the angel of light, but he pretends to be like Jesus. He pretends to be something that he's not. He pretends to be something that, that is good whenever the best is Jesus Christ. But sometimes we get sidetracked for the good and we forget about the best that we have. Amen? Satan disguises himself as good instead of evil. Satan's not an angel of good or of light. He's the opposite. He's evil and he's darkness. And Jesus even told us that in John 8 44. He says, Jesus said that Satan was the murderer from the beginning. He was the murderer. Jesus is telling you. He's warning all of us. He said, not holding to the truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we must hold to the truth. For there is no truth in him when he speaks his native language. For he is a liar. Listen, we used to speak a native language. Before we were born again, we had a native tongue. Nobody taught me how to lie. I just lied. My sister has, has a daughter who liked to, liked to draw on the walls. And she'd say, Crystal, did you draw on that wall? Why, no, Mommy, I didn't do it. She wasn't taught how to lie, right? We had a native tongue. And that's what took place in our lives, right? We, we, we just did it. Why? Because we were born with a sinful nature. When he speaks, he tries to deceive us. Again, he tries to deceive us that this good thing 
is better than the best. And it's a lie from the adversary. Listen, we're going to look at some of the people in God's life today. Compare it to your own life. Before I was born, I could, I'll, I'll share some of my life. Reborn with Jesus Christ, I'll have to share some. Listen, even though we foul out, Jesus Christ, the atoning blood can restore us. Amen. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. Adam and Eve were created by God. You and I were created by God. He knew us before we were in our mother's womb. The difference between them and us, they were God's first. Think about that. They were God's first children. My daughter gets a little bit upset. There's so many pictures of Trevor in the house. Well, see, whenever you have one kid, it's a lot easier to take photographs, right? I mean, it's just easy to snap pictures. But whenever you got two kids, well, now you're trying to change diapers, make sure that this one's fed, trying to take a picture, and, and it just doesn't work, right? You're running to swimming class, you're running to baseball, to gymnastics, and there ain't no fo- there's no camera with you. You're changing diapers, you're potty training, it just doesn't happen. But it still bothers her, right? Listen, this is God's first people. That's what I want you to understand. That God loved these two, Adam and Eve, with all his heart. And they lived in the Garden of Eden. Who was their neighbor? God. Who would come and visit them? God. Most of you all get a little bit nervous when Pastor Robert comes to visit you. (laughs) But he's God. In the cool of the day, he would show up and walk with them. Who? God would. God. This is his first two children. They had it made. They had it all. They ate great. They had whatever they wanted, right? They could have a horse for a pet, a rhino, a puma. Who knows? They could have whatever they wanted, right? Here, kitty, 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 right? A great big mountain lion comes over and they just start petting it. No problem, right? They had it all. Life was grand for them. God loved them and they loved God. Amen. Amen. Genesis 3 one through four. Now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, has God said, you shall not eat, eat, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Listen, he, he snuck in as a serpent. He could have chose any animal he wanted to, but he chose to be a snake. He didn't become the snake. He possessed it. But how many of you are scared of a snake just because of this story. Every time you see one, you want to cut its head off. Even though he created good snakes that will take care of rodents for you. My mom was telling me about a black snake that crawled underneath, out from underneath her house and died. And I thought, I wish it would have stayed underneath there to eat the mouse that keeps getting in your house, right? But we want to kill every snake that, that creeps in, right? Satan spins the word of the Lord. Has God said, you shall not eat of every tree? Has God said... What God said was, you may eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shall not eat of. He spins the truth. And Eve Eve answers in verse 2 through 4, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Voila, your fruit, your tree, right? And the woman said unto the, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall surely not die. I mean, he's telling us. He, he's tempting the woman. She's, she goes, You're right. I may not die. And she reaches into the tree, and she pulls it out, and she goes, Mmm, man, this is good. And then she gives it to her spouse, right? And she takes a bite of it, right? Boy, that's good. Man, that is good stuff. You'll not die. But listen, all of a sudden they realized that, that they were naked. All of a sudden they realized they felt shame and regret in their life because they did something that opposed God. Listen, and I'm glad God gave me this message because it hits close to home right now because we're going back to college, we're going back to school. There's forbidden fruit out there, kids. There's some marijuana that somebody wants to give you. Hey, smoke this. It's going to, feel, it's going to make you feel good. Have some of that. Roll it up with me. Hey, listen, the end of finals is coming. The end of finals is coming. You want something that's going to keep you awake? Huh? You want a little something that's going to help you stay up at night, huh, and get you through that final? Have some of that. Chalk out a line. Snort it with me, huh? Forbidden fruits. It looks good. He's saying, man, this looks good. This looks good. Even adults, we have problems, though. Some of us kids are going to go to college, though, and we're going to learn what a parlay is. And we're going to start, I've got apple blowing out everywhere. <laughs> we're, we're, going to, we're going to learn what a parlay is. We're going to start gambling on teams, right? Listen, I asked Cindy to go into the store and I said, buy two lottery tickets that demonstrate gambling. She comes back with two cards that got a pineapple on it. <laughs> I said, honey, what is that? She goes, I like pineapples. <laughs> I said, and she showed, she took a picture of every one of them, right? And I'm like, why didn't you get the big chip? Because that represents gambling, right? Listen, we have problems. We have problems. Maybe you don't, but some of you will have a problem. It can become a forbidden fruit because you're going to start spending all your money on tickets. It only costs a dollar. It only costs a dollar. Eventually, it costs you your paycheck because you're buying more than one dollar. Man, I don't know. I had this knee injury. I had this shoulder injury. But all that's gone. All that pain is gone. It's no longer there. But, 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 but I, 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 want, I want to use my pain prescription still. I want to use the, the pills that, that Doc gave me. Matter of fact, oh, oh my gosh, oh, I think I need to go see Doc again. And we get addicted to something that holds us, that transforms our attitude and our minds. We're stepping away from God. We're eating forbidden fruit that God doesn't want us to. Kids, young men getting ready to go to college. Mommy ain't there to protect you. My mother-in-law went to my brother-in-law's apartment whenever he was in law school at WU, and she lifted up his, ma up his mattress, and there was about 10 Playboy magazines underneath of it. She lost her mind. Listen, why do they put something that's so good for you in darkness? Why do they cover it up? If it's so good for you, and you're supposed to have it, why do they stick it in a bag? Huh? Why do they stick it in a bag? I don't understand. I tell you what, they take my beer and they put it in a bag. I don't understand. It's so good for me. I can walk out of the store with Pepsi or, or Coca-Cola and I don't have to have it in a bag, right? I don't understand the forbidden fruit of life, right? Listen, and I, I'm preaching to myself. I drive down the home. I drive home from work. This is my kid brother. I, I drive home from work. 
Whenever I was a baby Christian and I was hurt and I was still confused in life. And I'd call this man and I'd say, I feel like popping a top. And he'd say, don't turn back. God brought you out of stuff. Don't turn back. It's because of this man that I have a walk with the Lord because I didn't turn back to alcohol. I didn't turn back to what God delivered me from. Listen, if you're walking in this today, I ain't condemning you because everything that was on this tree, I've been a part of. Everything that was on that tree, I've been a part of. I ain't condemning you. I'm trying to tell you that God will set you free. You want to be set free, you become a tree of life. A tree of life where you're next to God and you start becoming a tree of righteousness for people. Amen. You are called of God to be a people after his heart. Yeah, glory. Give me some praise. Hallelujah. You're called to be a tree of righteousness. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Woo, glory. Better sit down because we'll never get out of here. First Samuel 13, foul play, pride. And Samuel said to Saul, Saul, his first chosen king, mm, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast, not, thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord. Listen, he tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, right? And whenever we get next to this tree, you can see it's dead. And that's what the devil wants to do in our lives, right? He said, you've not followed the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee for now. Would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever? He's going to establish your kingdom forever. You may face trials and tribulations and temptations in life, but if you follow his commandments, he's wanting to set up your kingdom forever. I don't know what your kingdom is. I only know what my kingdom is. I'm a God chaser. I've been chasing him since I knelt down in an altar at Family Life Fellowship and gave myself to him. We need to be God chasers. I'm going to beat you up right here with a black eye. Many of you only come Sunday mornings and get fed breakfast once a week. How do you live? How do you live? Man, I gave myself to the Lord. I was there Sunday morning. Now there's Bible school, Bible study in the 9 a.m. hour. I was there at 9 a.m. to study with the teacher. I was able to tell her at the Will Graham celebration, hey, thank you for giving me a solid foundation to stand on. I was there for Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I was there. I was there every time the doors opened. If we had a special event, I was there. Because I wanted to be around the anointing of God. There's anointing. There's people that come. And listen, I'm not trying to beat all of you up. I know you work. God's important. Amen. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people. Whenever you're not following what God's doing, the Lord sought him a man after his own heart. Listen, God didn't make a mistake whenever he picked Saul. God hasn't made a mistake whenever he picked you or whenever he picked me. He chose us, right? We think about, we think about uh, pickup games, right? In, in basketball or, or dodgeball or whatever. Man, I always wanted to be the first one picked. And I was pretty good, so I usually was. But those people that were last, oh man, I get to be on their team. Well, you know, if you practice a little bit and get a little bit better, maybe you'd be first picked, right? But that didn't happen, right? Listen. 
God didn't pick you because of your talent. He picked you because of your right heart. Listen, I walked in sin for 25 years before my heart got right. And God changed me. You might be walking in sin right now. But that spirit that was moving a little bit ago, it's saying, I'm trying to draw you. I'm trying to pull you into me, into my kingdom. So let that spirit draw you. Amen. You see, God didn't, God didn't make a mistake whenever he created man and woman, but we failed to be obedient. Even the Christians, we failed to be obedient. But we got to repent and come back to God. Sin brings separation from truth. Sin destroys our relationship with God. And God is looking for people with the right heart. Your status don't matter. Your education don't matter. Your wealth don't matter. Hear me, your education is important. Your job is important and you need it. But God is looking for a person with a right heart, with availability to go. Listen, I worked in dining services. I got saved in 09 from 09 to 2018. I preached. I preached every day at work. I preached every day at home. I preached to my neighbors. Maybe I don't preach with my mouth all the time. I preach with how I love and the character that I build and walk around with, right? That's some of you also, and that's how we got to continue to do it. I heard a man say, I've preached all my life and never used a word. It's the love. It's the right heart. Amen? How do we foul out? We foul out with adultery. David was a man after God's own heart. King David has messed up a few other times. He's messed up dealing with Saul, bringing back the Ark of the Covenant. Instead of following the commandments of the Lord, they got, it, they got two oxens pulling it, the wagon, uh, the oxens hit a stump, the wagon shakes, and his buddy Uzzah touches it, right? And God's anger, because of disobedience, smoked the guy. King David has always repented, but sin against God has always cost him something. Uzzah, his friend, he sinned. That was David's sin, because if he would have done it right, it would never have cost him his friendship. It would have never cost that man's life. But he failed. Second Samuel 11, two through five. And it came to pass in an evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not the Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in, to, came in unto him and lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness and returned unto her house. The woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now this is crazy because David already had seven wives. Why would he want another wife? Why would he want another? He had countless concubines. In the New Testament, we, we refer to the concubines as mistress. But in the Old Testament, they were referred to as second-class wives, meaning they were the cooker, but not the looker. Amen? <laughs> Sin has a way of making bigger problems bigger for our lives. 
I just slept with her one time. Listen, kids, and I'm talking about fornication too. Let's just not talk about adultery. But if you ain't got a ring on your finger, you shouldn't be sleeping with that girl. If you ain't got a ring on your finger, young lady, you shouldn't be sleeping with that guy. Amen. But if you got a ring on your finger, you should not be creating adultery. You should not be walking in sin. Because when you walk in sin, you got to start burying it. King David, what's he do? He's walked in sin. He got her pregnant. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Go get Uriah. Bring him in. This is one of his top commanders. Bring him in unto me. I want him to go see and visit his wife. So Uriah comes. He goes, he goes King David, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to look at her. My mind is set on war. My mind cannot face distractions of a woman right now. I have to be focused on the enemy. You hear what Uriah is up against? An enemy. And he's focused. His king was not focused on a war or his people. He was focused on the lust of his heart. King David says, fine, stay here a night. He continues to try to encourage him and push him to go and, and hang out with his wife, hopefully that he'll, hopefully that he'll get intimate with her. And, and oh my gosh, in nine months, look, you had a baby, right? Well, surprise, Uriah says, King, I ain't leaving your front step. I'm here to guard you. So King David says, you got to go back to war. And what does he do? He sends a messenger to kill him. Why? Now King David has slept with somebody, committed adultery. Now he's lied, he's gossiped, he's murmured, and he's killed. King David, a man after God's own heart, has done these things. We need to examine our own hearts and see where we stand with God. Amen? How do we foul out with God? Greed. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me. This is Jesus in Luke 22, 21 through 23. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this. Did you just hear that? He's talking to his 12, 12 disciples. And Jesus said, and they began to inquire among themselves. That's what the writer said. Can you imagine that, India? We're sitting here and we're, we're inquiring. Is it going to be you that betrays Jesus? Scotty, is it you? Huh? Is it you, Rosie? Are you going to betray Jesus? Who's going to betray him? Is it you sitting at home? Who's going to betray him? They're sitting there going, the 12 disciples, his 12 chosen individuals. I want you to understand how special these people were. They're sitting there inquiring. Who? among themselves will betray Jesus. Matthew 26 and 14 through 16, it says, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went out unto the chief priest and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. There's 30 coins in here. I read that that was something like $19.20 back in those days. To me and you, that's not much. That's a $20 bill. I betrayed Jesus for a $20. Oh, wait a minute. How much did that six-pack cost me? How much did that, how much did that gram of pot cost me? How much did that, that gram of cocaine cost me? How much did those lottery tickets cost me? Oh, I don't know. Maybe 30 shekels of silver, right? Then he goes back and he says, listen, I've messed up. That's the king of glory. 
I don't want your money anymore. I don't want it anymore. What I want and what he didn't seek was repentance. He had a chance to turn around still yet. But what did he do? He went out and hung himself. He went out and took his own life. Why? Because he sinned against God. Our obedience matters. The parable of the tares and the wheat. These are God's chosen. You're God's chosen. Another parable put forth unto them saying, The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is likened unto a man, which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. While men slept, you can't fall asleep in your walk with God. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Listen, we sprung up whenever we got reborn and we started producing great fruits. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We started walking with, with different fruits than we carried in the past, right? But appeared the tares also. These are stumbling blocks. They're the drugs, the alcohol, the flirtation, the opposite sex, they're the lust of the flesh, the murmuring, the gossiping, the greed. So the servant of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in the field? And from whence then has it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. The enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy you. Ask Eve. Remember? The enemy sly and cunning. The servant said unto him, Will thou that we go down and gather that up? But he said, Nay, at least while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. God allows us to make choices in lives. He allows us to hang with the tares. Let both grow together into the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather you together first the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into your barn. If God's going to let us grow together, I believe that God wants us to, to walk in a character that's after him, right? I believe that God doesn't want us to go sit on a bar stool and have a beer with somebody whenever we're trying to get them to come to church with us. I believe that God wants us to live a proper life with a right heart and be an influence on these tares' lives. As Pastor Kerry said, invite people to church. Invite people to church. Bring them here. Let them hear the word of God. And let God do what he wants to do. I came to church. I heard the word of God. My brother said, listen, you got to go to Family Life Fellowship and hear this anointed man of God. It took us three tries to find him. Why? Because the enemy tried to kill, steal, and destroy my salvation. I sat in front of the, in front of the, the soundboard. My heart got touched. I wanted to go to the altar. I looked at Sydney. I said, come on, let's go. She said, God ain't dealing with me. It ain't funny. Because I walked out the door lost. I walked out a sinner. I came, I could have died that week and went to hell. I could have died and went to hell. God knocked in my heart and I didn't answer it. The following week, he knocked at my heart and I answered and I went to an altar and I knelt down for salvation. And I got up a free man. I laid down all my burdens, all my cares. And I didn't pick it up because I didn't want no more junk. I want to be a live tree, not a dead tree. Amen. He answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Are you of the children of the kingdom? But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burnt in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. 
The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. Is anybody ready for that day, huh? I'm ready for that day. The Son of Man shall send his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all these things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. This isn't the furnace where Jesus is going to show up and walk you out of. This isn't the furnace where did, did I not throw three in there and there's a fourth there now? This is not that furnace. This is the furnace where there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is where there's, there's damnation and there's no more hope. Today there's hope. If you don't know Jesus Christ, there's hope to be saved today. All you got to do is confess your sins before him and say, Jesus, I need you to come into my heart. Listen, if, you, if you've never repented before, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I've messed up in sin. I need you to come into my heart today. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears to hear. Let him hear. I hope that you heard that. In closing, let me talk about Nehemiah for a minute. Nehemiah is an Israelite held captive. He's a cupbearer. God can call anybody at any time. Nehemiah learns of his country and the desolation and the bad condition that it's in. But he gets, he gets unctioned in his spirit, man, that God wants me to go back and rebuild it, repair it. So the king that he sets under blesses him. He says, go back and build up your nation. And he gives him resources. I can tell you today that if you walk in obedience, God, your King Jesus, will give you the resources that you need to build it in, build up whatever he's calling you to build. Look at Pastor Robert. This is God. Jewel City Church is from God. He was obedient in his faithful steps every single day. There's times that he'll tell you that he got ahead of, before, ahead of God and, and he had to get back in position, right? There's times that we do that also. But Nehemiah, he's got three enemies that are standing there with him. Tobiah, Sambalat, and Geshem. And they're trying to scare him from, from finishing his purpose. They're trying to entertain him with entertaining ideas of, hey, come on down. We got this for you. We got this for you. Listen, Sambalat's name is Babylonian. And it means sin. Tobiah was a, was a pagan. And Geshem was a powerful prince. Imagine that. So you got a powerful prince with a pagan joined with sin. Does that sound like the world that we live in today? It does. But Nehemiah, he's on a wall. Listen, he didn't fall to peer pressure. Young kids don't fall to peer pressure. I fell to peer pressure. And it cost me 25 years of my life. Don't fall to peer pressure. Nehemiah gives us a good word because he knows that God had a plan for it. Nehemiah says to his enemies, I'm doing a great work so I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Listen, you're called of Jesus to do a good work. You don't have to be a pastor to do a good work. I was not in this position for a long time. And I did a lot of good works. And I ain't bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. I remember my first hospital visit that I did. And I'm blessed. Just because I took that, that step of faith to believe that God sent me. And look what the position is that God opened the door for me. Huh? To come visit you whenever you're home in need of something or in a hospital in need of something. God was training me up. All I did was step out in faith and listen to him. 
I left the darkness and became a tree bearing good fruit. Let me encourage you today to not fall to the schemes of the enemy. Leave the forbidden fruit behind. Don't fall to the lust of the flesh. Let me tell you about greed. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some covet after. Don't covet after it. All that overtime, it's going to get you that boat, sure. But are you going to lose your hope in Jesus at the same time? continues to say they have erred from their faith. When you start getting greedy, when you start chasing after the lust of faith or lust of the flesh, it ears you from your faith. Amen. If you would, stand to your feet. Bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you to meditate in your own heart where you're at with the Lord. Again, I didn't, I didn't bring this to condemn you. God gave this to me. And I thought, what a time, Lord. My son starts college this week. W starts in two weeks, next week, whatever. High school starts pretty soon. But it wasn't just for kids. It's for adults too. Maybe you're dealing with alcohol. Maybe you're dealing with, with prescription or gambling, pornography, pride, adultery or greed. Listen, the shame of sin makes you want to go and hide. Remember Adam and Eve. They were naked, but they closed themselves. God loves you, and he wants to restore you. He wants you to come back to him. The forbidden fruit, we better think about it. We better think about who's sublime, the forbidden fruit, and what the consequences will be that come with that forbidden fruit. In the Gospels, I read that Jesus showed up all the time. When people brought the sick to him, Jesus showed up. And he would say, first thing, your sins are forgiven you. And then he would say, be healed. And they would receive healing. And then he would say one other word to them. Sin no more. Today, I don't know anybody's heart. But if this message is spoken to you, is there one out here that's never cried out and asked Jesus into their heart for salvation? Is the Lord dealing with anybody today that you could say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I need to give myself to Jesus. I need to give myself over to him. Is there any here today? To the church body, Many of us, we start walking in disobedience. We start tampering. We start going down that, that foul line and we go foul. If that's you, I encourage you today. Nobody's going to judge you. This altar's open though. For anybody that the Spirit's dealing with. To the young kids, my son, Cody, Madison, those that are starting college, I encourage you to come to this altar today and say, Lord, just pray. Say, Lord, give me a hedge of protection because I don't want to walk in the path of darkness. I don't even want to be tempted. So show me the door on how to get out of that way.
Young kids, it's yours. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. I, I know some parents say, I, you know, I can't, I can't tell my kids not to drink. I can't tell my kids not to do that stuff because I did that. That's stupid. That's just stupid. I have a brother that cost him his marriage. I have a niece that had a child who was on crystal meth whenever she had a baby and the baby's heart was born outside of it. You're ignorant. If you don't, and I, forgive me, you're ignorant. If you don't tell your children and warn them about the things and the side effects of what can take place in the lives. I'm thankful and I'm believing that he's saved and that he's walking right. We've sowed into him as brothers. But the destruction that he did, imagine that your wife divorces you, your son and your daughter pretty much divorced him and left him. It's foolishness. I've told my children the truth. I was at a revival and, and God unctioned me one night. There was a man sitting there and I, I felt talk about alcohol and drugs. And, I, and I'm looking at this man and I'm thinking it's for this guy right here. And I start to step off the platform to say it. And at that time, I realized Trevor's on the front row of this revival. And I said, God, I can't. My head, I'm starting having this conversation. I can't. But maybe it wasn't for that man. Maybe my honesty was just for my son. Don't be foolish. Sin will cost you everything. Why would you want your children to walk in sin? Why would you want them to walk a hard path that I walked? I don't. I never want my children or anybody else's children to walk in any destruction that I walked in. He'll not hear me. Kids, hear me. If you're going to college, it's there. Frat parties are there. The first week of school, they're there. You're going to be invited. And you got a choice whether you go or whether you don't. You've heard my heart today. It's what God gave me to give to you. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. 